welcome to this Harmony in Health podcast. My name is Julia Outlaw and I'm a member of the Harmony in Health team. We bring together ancient wisdom with modern disciplines to help develop health and well-being. And I'm delighted today to welcome Anne Wheeler Andanes um, to join us. And we're going to have a chat about harmony, really. Harmony and also movement and the senses. And before I give a little bit of background about Anne, um, something that she wrote recently, which I think is really interesting and maybe the nub of what we're going to discover today. She said, I think we are overschooled, trained or treated to the detriment of our own innate natural powers. Plus, we are all unique. And I just love that. There's so much in it that um, relates to harmony in terms of the diversity of humans, in terms of how we can connect more to nature and how sometimes modern science or training gets in the way. Anne has had a very interesting life so far. Um, She was brought up in Oxford Um, She trained as a swimmer, internationally um, qualified swimmer, and she's developed, you might say, sort of portfolio of um, jobs all around therapies to help people as a whole. So she's qualified aromatherapist, massage, um, reflexology. She's a natural movement teacher now um, and very brings nature into her work an awful lot. She moved to Norway as a young mum many, many years ago and for 30 years ran the Norwegian College of Holistic Therapy and she introduced aromatherapy and Pilates to Norway. And she's got a very interesting way of uh, working with people and I think you'll hear um, how she views the world. Um, But Anne, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Julia. Lovely to be with you. So tell us about, you know, where this all started then. I mean, children like to move, don't they? Were you a child who liked to move? I think I was born, my mother said when I was born, I I was born at home and I just came quickly out and started moving and the midwife would come on her bicycle with, you know, with a basket on the front as the old fashioned midwives used to do. And she said, I think you've got a ballet dancer or swimmer there by her feet and ankles. That was her first uh, comment after I was born. I was actually born in Cheltenham Spa. And being a spa town, I think probably I had a great relationship to the waters of Cheltenham Spa. (laughs) Because swimming, swimming came, yeah. So swimming water was my element, it turned out to be. And I could not uh, be enough in water. I just had to, I don't think from, from birth we are, we, we develop as a fetus in water and warmth and move and swim. And so we, we push off from the womb of uh, our mother and dive out into the world. And that could be a shock, as we know, <laughs> as we've heard. Um, but I went straight back into water and really have stayed there all my life and enjoyed the feeling, enjoyed, and I can remember that is what has stayed with me. It is that feeling of being surrounded by water under or over and through the water, the body moving in water, myself, my fantasy, my creative thoughts, they all relate to water. 
it is so vivid still. So interesting, isn't it? Because some people, just thinking about elements, you know, would wouldn't like that idea of being surrounded by water. Maybe others are more earthy or exactly. It's, it's very interesting. And then, so it was quite hard the training, I imagine, that level. Yes, I, 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 I never liked anyone to teach me, and I taught myself. I've taught myself most of the things in life, and and I, I had for some reason or other, I did not want to be interfered with to change my uh, feeling of my movement in water. I just loved myself in water, that, that feeling. And as soon as a teacher came near me uh, and wanted to change it and do it in a certain way, I was not very happy bunny at all. Uh, and my mother, I think I was probably, my mother was probably very, very um, embarrassed because I probably just ran away and wouldn't have anything to do with it. So I just went off until I found somebody who was really good and he he, he really helped me. I can remember him very well. I, I can remember the smell. We're talking about senses. I can remember the smell uh, of this wonderful uh, grandfatherly figure who saw, obviously I had a talent, I suppose, and, and he he was a teacher, swimming teacher, and, and he, he, he worked with me in that way to develop my own, the skills that he saw, innate skills he thought he saw I had. He did not try to put his thinking on me. He went with me. I can remember that feeling. And I was so confident and trusted him. And the, the smell of chlorine, and he had woodbine cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And for me, that day to day, if I, I don't know if woodbine exists in England anymore, but the smell of chlorine and woodbine, I have this lovely feeling of this wonderful person, this wonderful man. Wonderful. Yeah. To find someone like that. Because it, with all these things, it, it's pleasure. And then somehow, if you're taught too much, or like you say, trained too much in a particular way, it you lose something. Mm. Um, some of the enjoyment. Or the, yeah. I, I, I remember also we, we moved because my father got a, a job in Oxford. We moved to Oxford and then uh, and then that was near London. And then I was caught up. I was in a club and I was caught up and I was sent to the training centres. There was no training centres much in London. Well, actually, I, I did train with the Oxford University boat team and Oxford United Football Club. That was fun. <laughs> but otherwise, for swimming, I had to go up to, to London a lot and travel and then put into coaches and... and and I was, my whole feeling of being in water and my lovely swimming technique was pulled apart and put together, pulled apart and put together, and I lost myself, really. I did fine. I, I did good, but I did. it was not the pleasure anymore that I once had. Do you think that's the way that exercise is, is going a bit? I mean, there's so many gyms and fitness classes and experts and programs and watches that you can put on to measure stuff i personally feel that perhaps we have lost our our, our own vision of how what we can do ourselves we have left ourselves over to others willingly wittingly and uh, a science of course and and i'm not knocking it there are very many positive things to be said for that absolutely yes. Um, and we've learned a lot through that. Um, but I do think that children especially are given the opportunity to develop in their own unique way. We are so different. We are unique, every one of us. And to allow children to develop and find their own way of doing things, as well as being guided and taught skills, 
that they have the opportunity to have this freedom to move in their own way. And this freedom to move is so important for well-being then, this movement and being in nature and with the senses. Say a bit about that. Mm. Uh, when I wasn't having to drive up and down um, to, to, on the train to Paddington up to Crystal Palace National Recreation Centre, I would be out in the countryside in my favourite areas and trees and run and climb and uh, find pool space. And of course, I had to swim. But being out in in the nature, up and down the hills, um, I would get up at five o'clock in the morning and go running and go swimming. But it was with delight. It was with a feeling of freedom. It was that feeling of being um, absolutely free to move, uh, unhindered and not put into any box. And interesting enough, when I had long periods of being able to do that on my <laughs> on my own, my times, seconds-wise, I was a sprinter, came down drastically. And then as I was back into the system, then I would tighten up. I could feel myself being tightened up into these little boxes, I think. And the, the, the smell of chlorine was not nice. And the smell of the gym was not nice. Um, and it inhibited my, my, my progression. And I got injured as well makes me think of you know that was quite a unique example obviously you training to be a swimmer Um, but I wonder how many children feel some essence of that whether it's the way that they're taught in school um, or you know how they're advised to do something or just the lack of space they're given often Mm. to play. Unfortunately spaces has been restricted it's being got rid of isn't it the spaces that playing fields have got disappeared practically uh, so it's, there is much less and we live more in towns and cities and now and then I mean there's still a lot we can do to connect with our senses isn't there but tell us about what moving to Norway I mean that must have been another shock to the senses um, the north of Norway and very cold and dark and how did you find it? Absolutely. It was such a shock to the system for my sort of very, uh, we're talking about harmony here, the, the, for me in the, the Cotswold Hills, um, the rolling hills there, it is, you, you can't, if you walk through, if anyone has ever done that walk through the beautiful pathways there of the Cotswold Hills, it is so rolling and harmonic and man and nature over centuries from the Romans moving together, living together, and all the plants have followed the people as they've come, and the different Celts and the Romans and so forth. You see how everything has evolved, and the old roads are still there. I went for a walk and one time, and I found a Roman mosaic under a bush, you know. The history is there where you move and where you walk. Um, and then I, I come to Norway, which is, wow, the nature is, it, it, you, can all, you can almost feel small because it is so mighty. The big mountains, the, the, the climate, the seasons, they are so marked. And it was very much, a sh- I was surprised what a shock it was to me. And not least the dark. Uh, I, I found a problem. Um, uh, I just wanted to hibernate. I felt very much like a, an animal who's come out of its natural environment and just wanted to sleep during the dark and the winter and the cold. But so I, I've taken decades to get used to it and uh, and uh, even getting to like the winter now. 
Mm. <laughs> but it's taken a long, long time. So movement and using your senses has obviously helped you in that and also your work with people. Uh, yes, because when I first came here, I had a little baby and, 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 and I thought, if, I, if I'm not going to be doing anything, I'm, my husband's a foreign correspondent, so he was out traveling around the world most of the time, so I was really stuck on my own here and didn't speak the language. And I thought, what can I do? Uh, what have I got? What isn't here that I can do in Norway? So um, I set up, um, I, I, first I had to find some water <laughs> and uh, hired a pool and started, put up a note and said, baby swimming classes, mother and baby, parent and baby, toddler. I got one reply. It was unheard of. There was nothing like that here in those days. Uh, I, so we were two to start with, as my baby and another baby and mother. Um, and I, I soldiered on and, and carried on and it got known. And it was suddenly headline news on the television on the page, front page. And I had lots of people coming then and waiting lists there as long as my arm. Uh, and it became um, uh, a very popular thing to do. But again, I, I, I when I teach swimming, it's in the natural way that we, uh, how we approach the water, children, babies, whatever, we, we're all different. So we, how we approach the water, how we are, led to it again and can uh, appreciate it again is so individual so I would never take a class the same way twice all those in a class so uh, it's a very special approach I use. Tell us about some of your other work and so aromatherapy for example I've heard you speak about aromatherapy and you're very passionate about it because obviously that's another um, sense that you're where you touch and smell, I guess, as well. So, it's, again, it's the smells of the countryside. I love the smell of the trees, probably because I used to climb in them so much. So I, they had their own personality. Each tree I knew and climbed in had its own personality. Uh, so I had an affinity to that. And also in the countryside, all the wildflowers. My mother was an avid uh, amateur botanist and artist and uh, we would go out with her looking at the wildflowers which she would draw and paint and we would learn them and so, so uh, as a children often do I would then make little potions and ointments and creams and, with my mother and grandmother and play with them for my dolls so that was just an evolution their aromatherapy was the nearest thing one could really study to use it in that same way that I had uh, liked doing as a child. So I have just continued with that. Um, but I, I do link aromatherapy. I don't see much difference between the swimming and the aromatherapy I do because, again, it is that same um, individual uh, approach to it because I don't like saying that one person or suggesting one person has lavender or one person has sandalwood or something like that for their specific, um, what they've come for. I would um, find out the whole person and what suits what what they like what they have an affinity to from their life and what will have um, a more profound effect on their psyche their thinking it's not just physical that fragrance is so much in the mind how you feel I think it's more to do with your feelings and then helping the body to help itself really help itself to rebalance itself through the good chemicals we produce when we feel good yeah it's such a different approach isn't it from you know I have this symptom give me something for it to 
like you say, what what do people have an affinity for? What what do they need? Um, and it takes more time. I imagine it takes more time to get to know people and experiment. And... It does take time. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it comes out straight away. You feel you you get a a sudden oh perhaps or perhaps rose or perhaps something they would like, and I would first carefully bring it out and let them have a little subtle smell. And I don't hear what they say. I just look at the reaction on their expression on their face or body language. It usually tells, I find that tells, says much more. I find words don't always explain or can say what we're really thinking. So I look at the little signals that the, the person may be showing. Yeah. I guess as a natural movement teacher, you're quite attuned to how people move and how that all works yes I remember I was in a traffic jam and um, um, and ahead there was a zebra crossing and obviously I look at how things move people animals trees and the wind and things because that inspires my work I'm finding and I was looking at a lady crossing the road and she was quite a long way away and I hadn't got my glasses on and but I could see the movement and uh, I said hmm I think I know who that person is. <laughs> and as I got cash and she turned around and came closer to by on the path by me and I think eh, she was in one of my classes. I recognised by how she moved. And I can hear, if you listen, and you probably do the same at, in, at home with the family, you know who's coming in. You know who's coming up the stairs or down the stairs or closing the door. We all have our own little characteristic manner of uh, uh, moving or doing something. How you close the door, how you to go on the steps. You can you can feel and see the whole body. You don't need to shout out who's there. You know who's there. And it's not just about the body, is it? It's, it's like you say, it's about the mind and your characteristics and the way that you do things and how you mm. live, really. And this mm. connection between mind and body and connection not just inside, but with the outside world, is a lot of what informs your work. Is that fair? Yes, I feel it is. That, that is really the crux of it. It is the balance between the outer and the inner, where we are in our own uh, in our own space. Um, you know, when you go on holiday somewhere, you feel an absolute affinity to it straight away. There's something there, and you can't put your finger on it. You know, um, you feel attuned to it. And as you can go to other places, however nice everyone else says it is, but you you don't feel that same, you don't feel that same uh, presence in that space. It is something we have where we suddenly feel here. I feel good. I have one specific walk I go to um, where I have such a good feel, and I don't know why. It is very harmonious. It is, it is a lovely, lovely tree. It's a lovely area, but it is uniquely special to me. And I, when I'm feeling a little bit low or a little bit tired, I just find myself going there. I have to go there. Uh, I'm drawn there. It's like a magnet. You feel a magnetism there that there I need to be to help my body or my mind in that particular moment. That's what I need. That's where I like to go to. Might be somewhere else another time. And if we can attune ourselves, I think that's another thing. If we can allow ourselves occasionally to be more aware of that and trust our feelings and our senses and our intuition, 
um, we can we can benefit such a lot from it. But it's giving ourselves the opportunity. We have such busy lives. We fill it. Uh, uh, we fill it a lot. A lot of it is just sort of filled, yeah, <laughs> filled up. But to have some moments, and here I'm thinking the spaces. For me, it is the spaces between whether it's in a lesson I'm teaching or movement I'm doing or, or, or presenting. or It is often the space in between that, which is, in fact, the crux of it again. The most, one of the most important parts of it is the space between how we move from one space to another. Yeah? Yes. It just all so links up, doesn't it? My brain sort of... Well, listening to this and thinking, yes, harmony in art and um, harmony in hmm. architecture and all the negative yes. space. Um, exactly. It's so interesting about senses and how we, we're often in our heads and we don't trust that gut feeling. There was another podcast hmm. um, with a neuroscientist about that you can listen to hmm. um, because we often get stuck in one part of us. And hmm. how can people maybe more get to know themselves and what what hmm. they need? Exactly. Uh, and again, if we start with our children, maybe uh, both at home and at school, given the opportunity, again, not to fill every moment. We're very frightened of, I think, of being bored or having bored children. I don't think there is any real risk of that. We can be bored sometimes. And allow something to come to us, not fill up those spaces. Yes. And it's so easy to get filled up, isn't it? I mm. was doing some gardening the other day and I realised that I was actually doing one thing for, you know, over half an hour. Mm. And how rarely that happens, oh, actually. When you're mix matching, busy mum, doing this email, mm. checking that message especially with technology these days. And mm. that, that's not conducive often to really sort of enjoying your senses. No, they are there to be uh, tuned into. They are there for a reason. They are our survival originally. And uh, I think we can just give a moment every day to both to sit and to listen, to see, to smell, to move if you need to, but you don't have to, and appreciate. Not to have constant music in your ears as you walk. It's sometimes nice to do that, I agree. But to have moments whilst you're moving out in a place where you can both visually, audibly, and through your sense of smell. Take it all in. Wonderful. That's luxury. That's a luxury one can give oneself occasionally. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. And just fascinating. I mean, if we could all give ourselves that luxury, it would brighten many days, I think, across the world. Thank you for sharing your story and all of your I mean, incredible experiences, really. And we look forward to hearing more about your work and how it evolves as it is doing naturally. 
Thank you, Julie. It's been lovely to share with you. Thank you, man. Thank you so much and everybody else. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.